Welcome to Bike Talk, everybody. It's so great to have a representative of BYCS.org. That is bikes, but spelled differently, BYCS.org, here to talk about how they are changing the world one global city at a time. I love this from the homepage of the site currently. We believe that a 200-year-old invention is a fundamental enabler of human progress and planetary regeneration. It's one of the simplest solutions to some of the world's most complex urban challenges. And Bike Talk is excited to have Daniel Epstein, and let me know if I'm pronouncing your name right, here today to talk specifically about the U.S. cities and the efforts and what's happening with the Bicycle Mayors Program. Welcome, Daniel. Yes, thanks for having me, Andrea. Yeah, let me know how to pronounce your name. Daniel Epstein is great. Daniel okay. is fine. And then just give us the basic background on bikes. That's the way you pronounce it, right? And what it is overall, and then what specifically the Bicycle Mayors Program is, because they're separate, correct? That's correct. The Bicycle Mayor Network is one of our programs that we are running. We also are doing city strategic planning and consulting, as well as primarily youth and children-led engagements in Europe and around the world. But the Bicycle Mayor Network is kind of our flagship program. That's correct. I like that you started with that tagline because I think from an esoteric point of view, what we are really trying to do is reimagine progress. Because I think that when we are thinking of futures, that the mainstream way of thinking about cities in the future is through kind of electrification and automation. And we don't necessarily believe that that is the right way to go forward with progress. We believe more in human-centric progress and that the bicycle is the mode of transportation. And we say transformation of human progress in that. So everything that we do is in line with kind of trying to reimagine what is human progress and the bicycle is at the center of that. So part of what we are doing is in the Bicycle Mayor Network. And our theory of change there is to help capacitate and grow the network of, of local leaders who are doing work on the ground, connecting them to a global movement, sharing insights across the board, and learning from what is working in one area that it might be similar, but also slightly different, adapt programs and create a global movement in that way. Very exciting. It just must be fascinating from one city to the next. But I also love that deep in this is empowering the local leaders. So one, you aren't coming in from on high and going, this is the deal, this is how you do it, but really understanding what makes them tick and how you can help them feel empowered and kind of feel supported I'm always looking at political will, you know, like how do you help these leaders get political will? Um, tell me a little bit about political will and what you've been discovering. Absolutely, yeah. So we fundamentally don't believe in like a Eurocentric or a Western Eurocentric view. We are based out of the Netherlands and, and we do have uh, some ideas of what cycling infrastructure works here in Northern Europe or uh, have done studies around Copenhagen and things like that, but we fundamentally don't believe that what works here in the Netherlands works elsewhere. And uh, there's been a lot of success in Latin America right now, and and they're they're working on their own things. And there are certain learning aspects that can be taken from what has been go going on in the Netherlands, but fundamentally, it has to be socially and culturally, environmentally 
contextualized or else it's not going to be able to sit. And so we really focus on the capacitation aspect of it, empowering local leaders, connecting them to local government officials as well, as well as business leaders to create coalitions within the local framework to enact change, both from the grassroots movement, but also from creating the political will in that. And part of that is learning how to speak the language of the decision makers. And so business operators speak a very different language than politicians who speak a very different language of civil society leaders. And so trying to figure out how they can get communicate, we really trust and hope that the bicycle mayor can act as a bridge that links all of these things because we do believe and our bicycle mayors also believe that the the bicycle is one of the simplest solutions to some of the most complex urban challenges. And what that means is that we can all unite around the bicycle because what the bicycle does for civil society in terms of equity engagement is good for ROI for businesses and, and local businesses there, which is good for community development and cohesion and lowering costs of cities. So if we can get them to speak the same language, then we drive them with a collective mission, but keep them motivated through individual incentivization. And that's really at the backbone of our theory of change and how we try and communicate about the bicycle, how we within the network also are trying to communicate about the value of the bicycle for cities. Wonderful. I seem to remember, and uh, I mean, you've got bicycle mayors all over the world, but there was one bicycle mayor when I was kind of involved with uh, bikes a little bit, who spoke at a climate meeting or something and came in on his bike, rode mm -hmm. in through the, I think it was maybe Bolivia. Uh, do you, can you tell me a little bit about either that person or another bicycle mayor who just was really successful and creative in how they communicated and what the what that was like with the city leaders, how that worked, how that really resonated. Yeah, so I'm not sure what year that was. I think that might have been 2017 or 16. Yes, um, probably right in there. Yeah. And that was a political stunt that we had one of our bicycle mayors who was also part of the conference rode in on the bicycle to showcase that the future is the bicycle. And it was a real conversation starter because it was talking about, you know, all of the, the lobbying money of the oil and gas companies and of the car companies is going into continuing to have the, the status quo be what it is. So it's continuing with cars and we need to come up with very creative solutions of, for communication to get folks understanding that it doesn't actually need to be that way. It can be something completely different based on humans, not cars. And I think what's super interesting is that we're seeing a lot of action in Paris right now, and we're seeing a lot of action in Barcelona, and we're seeing a lot of action in Berlin. I'll use three European cities as an example, because they're on the top of my head. But it's really interesting to see how they are each making rapid change in their cities but doing it very differently, respectively, right? And so take Paris as an example, that mode of transition is coming very much from the government down, kind of forcing ridership on the people. Whereas in Berlin, for instance, that's a much more grassroots movement and it's finally creating actions 
in parliament, which is changing the speed limit to 30 kilometers an hour or something like that. So two very different aspects and where we're curious and where we're doing research is like, what are the political conditions in Paris that is creating that ability to enact change in that way? And what's creating in Berlin, the grassroots movement to do it and also studying what happened 50 years ago in Amsterdam, what's there. And what I'm very excited about is taking this type of understanding of political will into the United States where we haven't ventured too much. We have a few different bicycle mayors in North America. I think it's three in Canada and four in the United States. And that venture has been a real learning process for us. It's also had us as an organization grow where we understand the value of equitable development and a lot of learnings that are coming out of the United States right now is coming back into how we in Europe and in India and in Latin America are, are talking about and thinking about development of bicycle for all, uh, which is a very important aspect. That is super cool. So your difference between Paris and Berlin is fascinating to me because I too, in all my work, Bikes for Climate and the plant-based for climate work that I do, am looking at political will and what it takes. And is it the, the leader, the mayor themselves, you know, kind of that. I have theories because I've studied women in leadership a lot that, that the women mayors tend to maybe, you know, have the political will, stick to it and commit to it. I have no idea if this will bear out in your research, mm -hmm. but also just so fascinating that comparison with Berlin and that it came from the ground up and, and what that's like. My sense or, you know, based on nothing, right, is that the U.S. is going to need uh, more of the Paris type where here's the deal. <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And, and so I'm really interested in your research on that. And Thank you also for, you know, that you've got, I think you said four bicycle mayors in Canada, or I can't remember, but, but just you, you don't have a whole bunch in Canada or the US. And this is going to be a tough nut to crack. And it's interesting, I think, even today, right? So the big climate report was introduced yesterday by the IPCC and transportation is right in there. And does this, you know, does something like this spur action like that. So I'm really interested in what you guys are seeing with this climate report and how you can leverage that. And then, yeah, whenever you want, go into talking about what cities you are working with in the US and sort of how even the beginnings of that is going. So that's a lot of stuff, but see if you can remember what I just asked you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if I'm to start, transportation is a fundamental aspect to the calculations of how we are emitting greenhouse gases. You can't get, it's a huge aspect of it, whether we're talking about plane travel or shipping or car use, personal car use, or getting around the city. It's just a fundamental aspect that we have to consider into it. And, and cycling, although it's not zero because of the manufacturing costs and everything, it's pretty darn low when it comes to greenhouse emissions. And we will have to see when the climate becomes a talking point politically. It's very polarized in the United States right now. It, people still do not want to focus on it. Yet we all know that engaging with this aspect is on the right side of history. It's on the right side of science. And so um, there's going to be a some, some sort of tipping point. That is absolutely for sure. 
where it becomes a non-negotiable when it comes to political will. And then what we will have to say is, okay, what is the best strategy? And that's where we are coming in because we believe that it's not automation and electrification that is going to be the solution to everything, not only around the climate, but also in how we are engaging as human beings, specifically around consciousness and mindfulness, where do we want more time in automated worlds so we can spend more time on our phones, so we can spend more time on social media? I don't know if that is how we want to be engaging with progress necessarily. Whereas on the bicycle, it's an embodied experience. You are in touch with the environment around you, the people around you, stress levels are lower. All of these things I think are key to the very challenging ways to measure the effects of something like moving towards a bicycle in favor of a car, but also I think has compounding effects on how we treat our environment both locally and then also globally. And so those are things to be teased out in our research as well. And going back to our mayors, we're very excited to have the bicycle mayors that we do in North America. I think that the ones that, are, that we do have in Atlanta and in New York and DC and Austin, Texas are all strong advocates that are doing great work in their cities, specifically for marginalized groups, specifically for those that are using the cycle who are at highest risk. And what we also see is that the bicycle, if there's a build it first, build it and they will, will come mentality, that there are these un un unintended consequences of an unequitable benefits that that cycling brings so it's not for the rich white men who are able to cycle and feel safe on the road it, it really should be for everybody so if you're not focusing on what we're calling the human infrastructure side of cycling development then there's going there's these unintended consequences that don't equally distribute benefits to all which is an important point to also be made so that is really interesting. I, it had never, excuse me, occurred to me, build it and they will come sort of leans or tends to result in the white privileged people or the privileged people of the city benefiting or whatever. So dig in, can you dig into that a little bit more for me? How did you, anything that you uncovered with regard to that? That's a really interesting point. Yeah. So along with like I, I can't cite the exact article. I'm, I apologize for that. But along with like new age coffee uh, places, cycling lanes are one of the uh, highest correlation to gentrification. And um, so what we're seeing is even if infrastructure is built, it is perceived like it is built for some and not for others. And if you don't counteract that, 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 that is going to be the narrative that is taken forward. On top of that, Folks that don't know how to ride for ride bicycles for one way or the other, you can have the best infrastructure in the world, but if somebody is not feeling safe on the bicycle, then they will not choose to ride the bicycle no matter what. And so we have to flip the entire narrative and create a culture around cycling, which is a difficult thing to do to say the least. That being said, behavioral change is possible in a short amount of time. We've seen that in the pandemic over the last year. We've had to change behaviors significantly. And so when, when there is crisis, like the IPCC report just puts out, we can band together. 
but it does come back to how do we change hearts? How do we change minds? How do we create the political will? And is it in individual incentivization? Is it in getting influencers to be a part of it? Those are different things that our bicycle mayors hopefully can unlock the key to. Um, and so instead of us doing all of the research, what we're hoping is that all of these bicycle mayors, we have now 135 or over 135 in, in countries all over the world, in cities all over the world, we're hoping that we can start to see some real trends that are unfolding. How to one, get government officials bought in, how to two, get civil society bought in, how to three, get business leaders to be bought in. And so there's different sort of incentivization that can be had in different ways and relying on our bicycle mayors to collect that data and pilot and test different initiatives. We can start to, from a centralized location, understand what's going on and seeing if things are replicable. So it's that idea that change doesn't happen until it happens rapidly. We're kind of <laughs> ho hoping that that's the, the case here. And so maybe we will strike gold through our strategy, which is one of the ways that we are thinking about it as well. Can we backtrack a little bit and just tell me what a bicycle mayor is? Do they get paid, right? Do they, what are their responsibilities? So for example, if any of our listeners are very curious, maybe how they could get one in LA, right? Or maybe how we can get one in Seattle, how that works. Is that a job? Is that, tell me a little bit about the actual position itself and the kind of people that really seem to fit that role. Sure, thanks for asking that. Yeah. So the bicycle mayor is a voluntary position. It is always our goal to have the bicycle mayor. I mean, it, it, the person is a bicycle mayor, right? So uh, we don't take that title lightly. It's always our intention to continue to develop a more and more democratic process. So it's the individual has uh, support from their local community. Ideally, it would be some sort of democratic process. Ideally, it would be some sort of position in a cabinet of the mayor itself. So that's kind of our vision for it. And we also deal with the realities of the situation. We are uh, a social enterprise that is fairly young and we're just starting up. So um, we have an application process where they can go to our website and see. It's a quite a lengthy application process. So uh, trying to understand what they know about the stakeholders within their within their city, try to understand their past experiences, and then most importantly, collect the collecting of endorsement letters from other community leaders inside cycling and outside of cycling that showcase a representation of the community at large. So that when we ultimately do choose them to be the bicycle mayor, they have the coalition support that gives them that sort of authority that the title of bicycle mayor bestows upon them. That is super interesting. It didn't even occur to me that you would get these letters. So uh, thinking about the bicycle mayors in the US, for example, and you don't have to be specific, but for example, where would, what are some examples of letters that those people have got? I mean, if, you may not know off the top of your head, but can you give me some examples of like, they got a letter from this kind of person and that really helped, or they got a letter from this kind of person and that really helped? Yeah, so a letter could be from a local official if they have connections in the government or something like that. That would be representation of party affiliation or something like that. Would also be other grassroots organizations. So there's a lot of cycling organizations around the United States. So 
in New York, for instance, there's a few, and right? And so if you could show support from this transport, uh, alternative transportation organization and that transportation al alternative uh, transportation organization that shows that both of these organizations support this person being the bicycle mayor, it's not that this party, this bicycle party is being chosen and that bicycle party is not being chosen. And we've actually seen that play out not so much in the United States, but in Europe, where some bicycle development is very polarized, where in certain cities they are protected infrastructure or bust. And so very rebellious, very anti any sort of compromise. And then there's another organization that's just trying to do a little bit more incremental change. And we have a bicycle mayor that is playing the liaison as the representation between them, not affiliated with either of them, but trying to understand that and bring a coalition together to then say, biking is the way. Yes, we want protected bike lanes and we're willing to fight for the incremental change that we have now and trying to get these two parties that are very, very antagonistic with each other to communicate, which I think is a success story in of itself. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think that that the person who was able to do that could probably te teach classes for <laughs> climate action people and, you know, all sorts of things. Like how do you exist as that bridge? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, one thing that occurred to me, because I'm always thinking about climate influence and social capital, social media, social capital, or an understanding of storytelling in that way. I'm wondering if as you're vetting potential bicycle mayors is their ability to use social media and engage on social media whatever the platform is specific to the community right i don't assume everyone's on twitter not everyone's on instagram but i'm thinking that those bicycle mayors are probably good on one or two platforms and understand the power of that so do you have any uh, insights on that yes so we actually, so this is one of the assets of being part of the network where we try to do some sort of capacity, uh, capacity building. So we have a how-to Twitter guide, for instance, to help develop those skills. Because if I were the bicycle mayor, I would have nowhere to start with, with Twitter, but I might be really good at my job or, or storytelling another way. But we do like, so one of our bicycle mayors, he's excellent at Twitter and engagement and understands all the rules behind it. And he runs for the other bicycle mayors, a Twitter workshop. So that's how the network can start creating support for each other outside of us. So that was just an initiative that he wanted to do. Or if a bicycle mayor has a question, like they're getting flack from somebody or a lot of pressure from somebody on Twitter, they'll respond and be like, hey, can I have support here? What do I do? And other bicycle mayors will come to their support or try to mitigate or bring facts to the, the situation and try to mitigate it in that way. I think storytelling is the key. If we talk about political will, if we distill it all down to it, it's, it's how do we change hearts and how do we change minds? And through storytelling is, is the way that we're going to do it. I think what the last four years have shown in the United States is that facts matter much less. And so we have to appeal to people's nature and learn how to communicate. And where that starts is also listening to everybody who wants to speak and creating space for them. And so I think holding space on social media and representing everybody, I think is an important thing. And then being able to tell really, really compelling stories around how the bicycle can change a family, how it can change an individual, 
and then using data or macro level trends to show how it can change cities, how it can change congestion, how it can, ch can change equity and ultimately the climate as well. Uh, so I think we need to continue to try and leverage storytelling both on emotional personal level and on, on a big scale as much as possible. And in the work of the bicycle mayor, mayors across the globe, and of course, I'm always just hoping that this might be the case in the US, do the stories, one, do the stories that you're collecting, is it sort of like, I'm the bicycle mayor in Austin and this incredible thing happened, we should do a story, that story, for example, goes up as a blog post or a video on bike. How does your platform then become the, you know, the archive for these stories? and? Are there any examples where a bicycle mayor had this incredible story of how a bike had changed a life and played it, you know, for the mayor or the transportation leader that they were talking to in the various city and it, they could see, right? They could see the response to that or feel the response to that, any successes like that. So the platform of bikes, the site for these stories and then how they're used and if there are examples where literally showing a video or a blog post has changed a mind or really helped. Definitely. Yeah. Too many to count. So oh, good. <laughs> yeah. There, a, a bit of a, yeah, a technical thing is we also are trying to, one of the capacitation things that we do is also trying to encourage better impact measurement. So the initiatives that are on the ground, what are the impact that these are having and how do we, how can we effectively communicate and speak about that? So that's something that we are trying to do as well. And then I don't know exactly what the story is, but uh, just today, actually, this is, this is a true story. Just today, one of our bicycle mayors reached out to us and said, hey, I just got contacted by one of our politicians that is running for city mayor office. And she has asked me to endorse her because of the powerful voice that she has in the city. And so now the mayors are looking to leverage the bicycle mayor and the sway that they have to create support for the mayor. So they're looking on, on there. So that's, I think that's a, a pretty telltale sign that the voices of the bicycle mayors are being valued uh, within the community very much. Another story is that our CEO in India, we have a foundation in India as well, because we have a mayor's network of 45 bicycle mayors there. So quite some traction there has been asked to advise on the national policy of non-motorized transport. And that also is leveraging the bicycle mayors for grassroots organizations organizing there. And yeah, just, it's really countless. If I can think of an example of one specifically, I think that is also the power of the bicycle mayor network. So one of our bicycle mayors is doing what we would consider a relatively small project. And what that is, is collecting donations of old bikes fixing them up and giving them to people who need bicycles. This is happening in India. And on a one-to-one -one ratio, yes, we are having profound impact on certain people's lives, but where that impact can scale is in the story of how this bicycle affects the person who received it. And so in that, that's where the platform of bikes can amplify it, share that story, bring it and create the emotional draw to say like, this is why it's important, especially when then you lead with the story of the person who's the bicycle changed their life and end with how it 
can save the climate with the data that backs it up. And so putting that all together creates a pretty powerful lobbying effort that bicycle mayors can then bring to the elected officials office and say, hey, look, we need to be really investing in the bicycle in this way because it has this profound impact. And as an organization outside of the bicycle mayor network, we as bikes are constantly trying to pilot and test different initiatives and do research that back that up. So one of the things that we are testing right now is the concept of a universal basic bike. So it's just everybody's right to have a functioning, well-functioning bicycle and what that would do for the individuals, the families, and the economy as a whole. And so we're doing that research on a side to give the ammunition to the lobbying that the bicycle mayors then can do in their respective cities. Wow. That, I mean, I just, of course, this is just stuff that hits me so like in my heart. This is all wonderful to hear. One of the things that that makes me think is, well, two things from an organizational standpoint. Do you have like a huge team of writers and storytellers that you employ to collect these stories from the bicycle mayors and do that? How do you get this done? It's a logistical nightmare. Um, We are a very small team. We are nine people right now managing this network of 135 bicycle mayors, as well as a citizens network of over 500. So those are for more supporters who don't feel like they can commit the eight hours a week that we tend to expect from our bicycle mayors or might not have the skills or expertise or time or or energy, but want to lend their support. So that's a whole nother network. And then on top of that, we have our research initiatives and storytelling endeavors and all of that. So a very, very... Uh, small, scrappy team we are, and we are always trying to find the best ways to collect and tell these stories. So one of the things that I'm super appreciative of is our bicycle mayor in Atlanta. She's doing exposés on all the different bicycle mayors around North America and is also doing a lot of communicating about the work that is being done and acting as an ambassador for the program itself. And so there's that, or I mean, a lot of times the work speaks for themselves or through the impact reporting, we can collect the story and post it to Twitter. And so it's a lot of aggregation work that we are trying to do. And we try to make that as streamlined as possible. So we have a form that that bicycle mayors themselves fill out if they want it to be amplified. And then through that, we do our work. One of the things that we do invest quite a bit of time into is our perspectives blog. And that's to amplify voices that aren't traditionally voiced in urban development and and city development. So trying to give alternative perspectives to the landscape that is urbanization. And, And we're very proud of that. There's a lot of great work that's going into that. And so that's a bi monthly series that we reach out and it's, you know, four to six articles around a specific topic to try and advance the understanding of what city development is. Wow. This is just such a fun conversation because you're just hitting all the points that I I just love. So I knew this would be fun. One Mm -hmm. of the things that I'm wondering is, are you, is the organization of bikes getting good media coverage itself? So then that also, that your brand itself may be helping the cause? Yeah, our brand is pretty strong. It's been strong for the last couple of years, particularly around the Bicycle Mayor Network. There's just, it's been written up in the New York Times. It's been written up in the Boston Globe to say a few newspapers in the United States. We've been on The Guardian, an expose by 
reasons to be cheerful, which is David Burns blog, which is really interesting. Yeah, uh, that's Kristen. important to note. It's important yeah. to say it's his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of national media attention in India, for example, there's just tons of stories that are being picked up around the organization of bikes. We also had kind of an explosive media attention around our bicycle architecture Biennale, uh, yes. which was showcasing a lot of work that is done around the world to showcase that the future of cities is happening in various places and it can also happen in your city as well to create that inspiration from a slightly different angle than the one that we operate in because we really are trying to focus in human infrastructure and the cycling culture aspect. I think there's a lot of work that is already, a lot of great work that is already being done around the infrastructure side of it. But without the cycling culture and the human infrastructure side, the benefits won't be as big. And so that's the lens that we take. But from an inspirational aspect, architecture is a wonderful way to reach people who really like to see beautiful things as well. Yeah, because I think a lot of people that are involved in this, and this is the problem that I face in my work too, a lot of people that are the decision makers in this aren't actually on the ground, even riding a bike themselves or understanding it. So, you know, kind of a, a sexy bike, right? A sexy e-bike, a kind of cool building, whatever kind of draws their eye down into talking about this stuff is really powerful. I agree that the biennial, yeah, is that what you said? The biennial was really, those, those images were incredible. So kind of gearing down to the end of the, our conversation, w- one thing I'm wondering is how does being a bicycle mayor enhance or support the lives and careers of those who are doing it? You know, is mm. it an X year commitment? What have you found? So say you have a bicycle mayor that's been doing it for a couple of years. Tell me about how it's enhanced or like forwarded their lives. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I can use one example. So it's a two-year commitment and yeah, it requires roughly about eight hours and they choose a few different projects, but the project is is really self-chosen. So they can do whatever they feel will enact the most change given the amount of time that they have. And so that a project could be a lobbying effort at a local government. It could be a cycling bus for children at a few different pilot schools to write a report and then give that to the, the city officials to say, look, we can do these cycling buses, no problem, um, different things. And so uh, each bicycle mayor has their own passion and strategy. The story that I want to tell you is a bicycle mayor in Canada, and he came as early on in the bicycle mayor network. So we were still trying to figure our own self out, figuring out what this network is how it's really going to offer value, what's what's it going to be. And so he was really more than an advocate or an activist or a lobbyist. He was really an enthusiast and came because he loved bikes. He wanted to see his city become more bike friendly and joined the network and really started soaking up all the information from people who might have had more experience in activism or in city planning and things like that. But he had some real great skills and started connecting with local officials, doing different rides, making the connections that he needed to. And ultimately, last year, ran a web series where he brought in different city planners and organizers for local governments, not for local government officials, not only in his city, but in the surrounding counties as well, and have all gotten them to commit significant funding to not only cycling infrastructure, but the human building the culture behind the the cycling infrastructure. 
and he's he's acted as a consultant. He does trading in uh, across the world, and he's now going into a career change late in his career to become more of a project manager around these urbanist issues. So it's profoundly had an effect on the way he views himself in this world, what his interests are. He says he, you know, he's good at what he does back home or uh, during his workday, but really when he's doing his work as a bicycle mayor, he's always smiling. And so that was his calling. And so he's transitioning into more of this role. And so from an enthusiast who wanted to see cycling to really learning about what a bicycle mayor can do to throwing this amazing event to now being able to bring cycling and have a vision for cycling in his city and the surrounding counties, I think is a really powerful, powerful thing to, to think about. Is that going to be up on a story written on your blog? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we will definitely do an expose around his name is RC and, and the trajectory that he's gone, because I think in a lot of ways it encapsulates our vision for the Bicycle Mayor Network. I also share one more story, which is kind of the opposite of RC. We have a bicycle mayor in Mexico City, uh, Arely, and she has been an advocate and an activist for the last 25 years. So extremely embedded in change making in Mexico City and has done a lot. She was the one that introduced the legislation for the 100 and some kilometers of temporary bike lanes in Mexico City during the pandemic and really has her hands in all of it. And where she's finding value in the network is in the amplification of her platform. So where she's been doing work in the last 25 years in Mexico City, she now is being connected to all of these wonderful bicycle mayors across Latin America and across the world. So is wielding even more influence on a pan-national level. And so that's where she's finding value because she's just continuing to give back to the network in that way. And so two very different stories, finding the network very valuable in very different ways, but also complementing each other where Aureli can influence RC and RC can take away that the knowledge that Aureli has. And so that's a really beautiful story of network success in our opinion. Oh my goodness. This has been really inspiring conversation. I, yeah. there's, you're just doing so much cool work and it's just, it's one city at a time and I really admire what you're up to. So I am very excited that you know, you're digging in a little bit more now, I guess, on the U.S. bike mayor side, bicycle mayor side. And I think there's some huge power in that. One of the things I'm wondering for the Bike Talk audience and for me to amplify later is, do you have a Twitter list? Or, I mean, I guess the four people are the four people on Twitter in the U.S. that, that I could share? Because I know that not everyone's on Twitter. Anyway, what I'm thinking is it would be super helpful if you guys have those Twitter lists connected to your Twitter profile that I can maybe spread the word. These are the Canadian, these are the US. So that, that's an idea for you. Um, and also just a plug from my perspective with regard to Twitter, it isn't, it isn't gonna be the platform that you reach the most consumers, but it is gonna be the platform where the leaders and the journalists who are covering you are gonna be there. So I'm really glad that Bikes, that your organization has a bicycle mayor who's gung-ho and knows how to use Twitter because I, from my climate influence advising perspective, understanding how to leverage, uh, you know, engage and leverage Twitter is really powerful. And I know that your, um, your executive director, who I believe is the founder, Maude DeVries, yes. she's also, I mean, I, I've gotten to know her more on Twitter than anything and she's excellent. So I, I know that that's a little embedded in the organization, but 
Definitely. Anyway, you know, Daniel, this has been, oh, you want, you have anything else you'd like to add? Oh, it's just a really good idea for us to have a Twitter list of our bicycle mayors in our own Twitter handle. And we can at least have a link tree to that or something. So we will definitely do that. And I will, I will make sure that that happens in the next week or so for sure. Great. Cool. Thank you, Daniel. That will help me a lot um, in kind of the ins and outs and talking to various people in cities that I know too. So this has been fantastic. And I hope it, it may inspire more people to apply for U.S. bicycle mayors um, and to understand that program a little bit better. Yeah, so I really appreciate your time um, and just want to thank you. And I hope that this has been really great for Bike Talk listeners. So thanks again, Daniel. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.